Oh, yeah! This is the manly man, Randy Brutal, talking at ya. When I'm on the road, I pass the time between matches, snapping to Slim Jims, and listening to the Sean Geek Podcast, which I download off of SeanMcGinnity.ca. That's the Sean Geek Podcast, downloaded off of SeanMcGinnity.ca, brother. Oh, yeah! Gentle souls, got a special treat today. Just fixed my car because it was, it died. It died in the pandemic. Battery is dead. Completely, utterly, totally drained. So I am going to work. I have to pick up something from there. So my car, got my car back, very excited about that, and um, just had to resync the phone to the car, and I am on the road. No, I'm not going back to the office to work. That's delayed. We don't know when I'm going back to work, but I will continue working from home, which I'm totally okay with. I'm actually uh, enjoying this, as a matter of fact, and... Uh, Yeah, so, um, it's weird driving, man, (laughs) really weird driving. So yesterday I, uh, I listened to, have had podcasts playing in the background while I work, a nice diversionary thing, especially with some of the stuff I do is incredibly mind numbing. So, um, one of the podcasts I listen to, and I, I haven't promoted or pimped this podcast on the show before. Um, I just felt, found a kindred spirit, I guess, uh, in this particular podcast. And the podcast is called Rant While Driving to Work. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of what I do, or what I was doing when I was actually driving to and from work. And, um, I'm listening to it. Um, it's funny because I was, I, I took a break. I took a lunch break and I was just doing a workout and I'm listening to it and I'm hearing the desperation, uh, in his voice. And he, he's describing a situation at work that, um, I was very familiar with, uh, not in my current situation. Uh, Cause I actually, I actually do like my job. Um, but uh, in a previous job that I had, uh, things were not awesome. Uh, in fact, they were far from awesome. And I've had a few crappy jobs in my career. Uh, character building, if you, if, you, if you wish. And uh, it seemed that he was going through the same situation that I was going through at one job in particular, who I will not name and who will never, ever, ever get named on this show. Because I do not want to provide them with any sort of publicity in any way, shape, or form. But the situation he was going through was—he was 
was describing it, it was like, I felt like a mirror was being held up to my face, and uh, he was working at where I was working at, and I know that's not possible because we don't live in the same city, we don't even live in the same country, but man, the situation he was going through was very unnerving, and and I don't know, it, it kind of pissed me off, I felt so sorry for the guy, so I reached out to him, um, and man, I hope dude, uh, I, I like your show. I like your honesty. You seem like a good, good guy. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in your attitudes and views on things. And, um, the soul crushing defeat that you suffered at your job is not cool, but unfortunately it is very, very, uh, common. Uh, the, the entire situation you described is so predominant uh, in a general corporate world, it's it's ridiculous, and exactly like I'll I'll tag the episode. You should go listen to it. I think it's very interesting. I'm curious if anyone else feels the same way. And hey, if any of my audience wants to give this guy a listen, please do because good dude, like the guy. Um, but anyway, um, ah, lost my train of thought. Damn it. Uh, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> Driving and podcasting. So, um, anyway, it's a predominant thing when someone in a position of power in, in a work uh, in a workplace, specifically in a larger workplace. That's where I've seen this predominantly. But you have someone who's in a position of power who just kind of slid into that position, and and probably doesn't have any formal training to be in that position but they've worked their way up from lower management to middle management and now they're in a position of, of power um, uh, and they're the manager above the middle managers and to be honest they slid into that position probably because of a little bit of political posturing um, probably because of who they knew or time spent at the company or um being friends with the right person in a higher position of power or similar position of power, they kind of, they slid into that position they're in. Now, Rant while driving at work, he is in a middle management position, and what he's suffering is under this leader that I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about Rant while driving to work. I'm talking about his boss. So let's not uh, mix mix things up here. So his boss seems to be the type that slid into that position and he doesn't really know what he's doing so I'm, I'm gonna enact a scenario here just and I'm not I wasn't in the room when this happened with Rant but um, I've been in an exactly similar situation so without you know giving anything out I'm, I'm just gonna play role play the scenario that happened so they're having a management meeting and um, it's a management meeting that the senior manager put together and it's just one of those meetings where the meeting happens they talk about stuff and uh and nothing happens it's just a typical typical meeting for meeting's sake and it doesn't accomplish anything they don't really discuss anything they probably talk in circles about things and basically it's a, a glad handing session where uh yeah this is what's happening the, the people above us are going to make the decisions that they're going to make. They're going to make the changes they're going to make. They're going to implement the implementations they want to implement uh, and do whatever they want. Meanwhile, the people below 
specifically the middle managers are going to these meetings and wasting their time and losing productivity and uh, falling behind on the tasks that they're supposed to perform in their own role in order to go to this meeting, make the senior manager feel important that he's having meetings to discuss things. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a waste of time. Um, so during that meeting, the, the middle manager, my friend, uh, probably says something along the lines of offering a, a change or a perspective or maybe something that can actually be valuable to the company. Now, this isn't his meeting, but he's in it and he's being asked to provide his opinion. But in truth, the senior management doesn't want to hear any opinions. Or let me correct that. Senior management doesn't want to hear any opinions that are different than senior management's opinion. So, for example, senior management is saying this is the status quo and this is what's happening, this is what we're doing. And the middle manager comes in and says, you know what? What if we tweak that and uh, if we if we add this or we change the timing of, of, of this particular change earlier or later or what if uh, this change we include the departments involved in the change so they can work together to make it a smoother transition or something along those lines. I don't want to get into the minutia of it. Uh, I basically just want to specify that he has an opinion and he's offering it in a room where all the other managers are there, all the other middle managers are there, and the senior manager, and he's actually trying to offer um, a constructive criticism on how this could be done. Well, the senior manager is already going to move ahead with the plan that his boss has told him to do. They're already going to move forward with the plans that they want to do. And the only reason they're having these meetings is to placate the middle managers but really, they don't want to have. They don't want to know what their opinions are, or what they have to say, or anything about anything. We're having this meeting to placate you, just so you know we're going to go ahead and do what we want. The senior manager doesn't know how to filter that information down to the middle manager. In fact, he probably doesn't understand the move that's happening. But he is the one that has to pass that information down below. So instead of filtering the information. And, and layman terming it to his middle managers or explaining the reasons for such a thing that this senior manager probably didn't even question why the change was happening or ask about the specifics of it. He's just relaying the information in as vanilla a form as possible to the middle managers. So he's not really doing anything. Again, this meeting is to placate people, to pass the information down in God Above all, please don't ask any questions. So he offers some, some constructive criticism. Now, the senior manager is going to view this in a negative light. Why are you questioning what I'm saying in this meeting? Why are you bringing up uh, criticism, constructively or otherwise, in a, in, a, in a setting where I can reasonably respond to it because... And he would never allow this. You know, but I don't know anything about nothing. And you're going to question me in a forum where I can't defend myself because I don't know anything about nothing. I slide it into this position I have. And at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever my boss tells me. So if you're going to question me on a position that my managers, the managers above the senior managers have made, 
don't do it here because you're going to make me look foolish. Now, a good senior manager would be questioning the things. A good senior manager reports to his middle managers and reports to his own managers. He is the ultimate uh, go-between. He listens to the needs of his middle managers, but he also uh, carries forward and does what his managers want of him. But his managers probably don't want to be questioned. They have already decided what they're gonna do. The head is telling the body what to do, and the body better damn well do what it asks. Even if the body breaks a limb, breaks a finger, um, becomes incapacitated, the head is still gonna tell the body to go ahead. I stubbed my toe. I can't walk on my foot at the moment. I don't care, I told you to do it. Yes, but my foot is broken. We don't deal with repairs. Just get it done. Well, how about if we do this to fix the toe? I told you, do what I told you to do. Don't fix the toe. I don't know. So, yes, rant. You did show up your boss, but you showed up your boss because he did not know. He does not know how to do his job. He does not know how to work with his middle managers for the best results. He does not know how to uh, report those criticisms of the system and ways to make things better and make and ways to make things like to improve upon things. He that senior manager is never going to shake status quo. He's never going to try to provide improvements on his own. He's just going to do what his boss is telling him. So Rent, you're not wrong. You're working in a company that does not allow the people below, the people below you even, to have any sort of impact on the company. You're a number, you're a cog, keep the machinery moving. Even when the machinery breaks, keep moving. Even when the machinery is completely broken and crippled, keep it moving. That is your job in this company because to me, from my past experience, some things will never change, some things will never improve, and yes, you may have great ideas, but this company doesn't want them. Those ideas always come from the top, never from the middle or the bottom. I believe, personally, and my greatest successes, just as a professional working person, have always been for companies that listen. And the company you work for, sir, does not listen. They're either too big, uh, too old school, too old boy club. Uh, they obviously don't care about the people. They got to where they are and they are never going to try to change and conform and better themselves to industry demands. How's that? For those of you that thought I was just this dumb uh, guy doing a show talking about comic books and that sort of stuff, yes, I do have a brain. I have been educated, but I also know how to, how to have a good time and do silly things because serious things only get you so far in life. The silly things, yes, there's the rub. That's where you have the fun. That's where the cool shit happens. Silliness leads to great ideas. Silliness leads to fun. Silliness leads to seriousness. Because if you have a good time, you can, uh, you can be uh, 
serious. You can focus when you need to. If you're focused all the time and being serious all the time, you are not performing at peak capacity, peak efficiency. Also, if you are droning in your work, doing, following instructions, I guess, and doing nothing but following the instructions, you also are suffering from the drone mentality of not actually doing your job because if all you are being asked to do in your job is to listen and perform the instructions as instructed and never to try to improve your role, your job, even if it's uh, a menial thing where you're doing, uh, putting uh, sprockets in a housing or something, even if you're doing that, there's always room for improvement. There's always rooms to change things to make things better. And if you look at a company like Toyota, who used lean manufacturing as their guideline, wow, you didn't think it was going to go into this deep a thing, but uh, a company like Toyota uses lean manufacturing. And the principles of lean manufacturing are is you lead from the bottom. <coughs> Don't quote me on that. That's not an exact wording of it. But the idea is that all improvements will, will always come from below. Basically, the person that does that same repetitive motion is going to find a better way to do that repetitive motion in a way that makes more sense. And if you're trying to improve what that person's role in that company is, the best way to improve that role is to ask that person and empower that person to make a change to his own role in that company and improve his own role. And by improving his own role, it pushes upwards. So ideally, in a company like that, where the employees are, are empowered, the manager's job is just to manage those recommendations and those changes and help them be implemented into the company. And you get to look good at the end of the day as a senior manager because your employees are happy they're driven. They're driven by their own passion, not by the company's. And by the company throwing their passion behind those employees, the employee works harder, innovative, and works smarter. Never tell your employee to work harder. Tell them to work smarter. Wow. You know, I didn't think this is what we are going to talk about on the way to work today. So, I'm uh, going to leave the, uh, the that whole thing to the side. So, thank you, Rent, for a great episode. You reminded me of uh, a place I was in before and uh, a place I will never let myself be in again. Um, and, and, brother, good luck. All the best to you. So, um, on other fronts... Um, I've been kind of circling a, a campaign idea for a little while, and the campaign idea is based loosely, uh, well, actually not so loosely, it's based upon the book that I am in the middle of editing on my seventh edit, which I've provided updates on this show multiple times. No, I'm not finished the edit yet, I'm getting there, but COVID came, and longer work hours came, and uh, increased demands in the home came. And uh, the balancing act, I know a lot of you have free time during COVID. Uh, my family is not one of those. I have less free time than I had before. 
so it's been tough. I've been trying to squeeze editing in when I can, but it's just not, I don't have as much time as some of you have. But I'm still editing. I'm just not, you know, chopping away at the, at the pace that I would have liked. But anyway, so the, the game that I'm going to run is based on uh, the, the premise of this book. It takes place within there and also um, comes on the coattails of a campaign I ran, uh, I don't know, probably six years ago, um, which was the beginning of the book. So I run a scenario, I really like the scenario, and the, the book takes place before that scenario happens. So this game takes place slightly during and after the ending of my book. So it's a way to test how people would react to a uh, change in the world in the way it does. And conveniently or inconveniently enough, seeing what's happening in the world now with the COVID pandemic, there are parallels, man, that I could not have predicted. It's insane. It's very insane. So I'm trying to pull away the veil and, and, and be a bit more transparent in that I'm not going to emulate, even though the way the book laid out is kind of what's happening now with the pandemic, I'm changing a few, tweaking a few things so it's less similar, because that's just too freaking creepy. Um, anyway, so, uh, very excited, I, I created the, the players, I'm only letting three players into the game, and they're people that have been bugging me six years since the last game I ran. So the same players, uh, minus one. And uh, so we're continuing with that. And because they've been bugging me for longer than anyone else has. So anyone listening to this podcast going, going, hey, I said I wanted it on the next game. Yes. But you've been asking for four years versus six. So yes, I will run something eventually for you. Just be patient. I'm sure I still get a, a lot of great campaigns left in me. But um, I wanted to run a modern setting, and I wanted to uh, continue the game that I ran six years ago. So, anyway, that's that. So, um, so very excited. So, I uh, three create characters were created by the players. They sent me their characters, and then I built. And these characters are not going to know each other, but I am pushing them together. So I wrote a scenario for each of them to bring them together, to work together. Uh, and something bad's really going to happen right in the first day of these characters getting together. Very, very excited. It's going to be fun. Um, I haven't. I just finished running a short game for uh, three other players. Um, had to stop that for some personal reasons, um, but we just we just couldn't continue. Uh, all the players just couldn't continue, so it was like, you know, we'll take a break. We'll get back to this some other time. Um, but anyway, um, so very excited uh, getting back into D20 Modern, which I'd fallen off of, uh, lost interest in, and kind of was, you know, I don't know, 
I fell out of favor with it. But now, going back through the books, I do like what's there. And honestly, I think the system still holds up and still works really well. Uh, the D20 Modern system is the same as D&D version 3.0. It's literally the same system. In fact, you can steal stuff from both uh, to work with each other, if you so wish. So, um, the other the other thing that I really wanted to talk about, and this is this is damn exciting. So, this is the the few days before Keycon weekend, and um, Keycon weekend. So, yeah, what's Keycon weekend? Well, it's the May-long weekend, which is the Canadian holiday, which is before, I don't know, what do you Americans have? Is it Independence Day? No, not Independence Day. The May the May weekend that you guys have. I can't remember. I'm not American. I apologize. But um, anyway, so every year, Keycon, big deal. Go every year. My brother comes now. I see a lot of the people that I only see once a year there. Um, and, and you got to understand with fan, with fandom, I think the, the the brotherhood of fandom. I mean, I, I'm not a sports guy. Maybe there's a similar fandom, uh, a similar familiarity with the people that play sports or other sorts of things. But for us, we go to KeyCon, we meet up with fans of, of everything, TV shows, you know. Uh, fantasy, science fiction, whatever. We we get a chance to talk to people um, and just really talk about the things we were passionate about, the fanish stuff, right? And it's a big deal. So this year, because of the COVID, it's been canceled. There's going to do some virtual online thing. And man, I'm just tapped out. Like, I had every intention trying to do something online and, and doing something KeyCon related and, and doing something this coming weekend but I don't know man I don't know if I want to do it this year um, so what we've been doing one of the, the saving graces for us COVID is uh, our in-laws have a place out of town and um, and um, we like to uh, go up there so they have they have the, they have a separate place basically a place we can go we can social distance from, every, from everyone else and, uh, but it's a chance to go somewhere. It gives the kids something to do. We can be out in the great outdoors. We can bring the dog. We cannot rely on internet, internet signal. We just kind of be a family and do something. And, and I've always put it off every year because it's a big deal every year. The, the, the family, like everyone on that side of the family, we all go out there. We do stuff. We have fun. Or that's what they do. But I never go. Because I go to Keycon and I go visit my other family. So this year I'm actually going to spend it with my flesh and blood and uh, and do that. It's kind of a tough thing to not do Keycon. I I 
harbor. It's a safe place for people to go to to listen to things. Uh, I, I don't really try to stir the pot on here. That's the co-host's job. <laughs> but I, I am the type of person that if there's an issue, if there's a problem, if there's something um, wrong, that instead of engaging with people that are a particular way and by a particular way I mean are negative and uh, they love to just trounce and trash people and troll and hurt people um, I in the past would put up with people like that and, and take the hurt that they, they put on people but I, I'm not that person anymore if someone is going to be negative and destructive, as opposed to constructive, but who's destructive, um, has nothing nice to say, has an opinion that is totally against my opinion, and hey, you're entitled to your opinion, but if they're going to shoot somebody down and try to destroy that person for the sake of it then I distance myself from those sorts of people. I have nothing to do with those sorts of people. I have no interest in associating with those sorts of people. And that's what I mean by sorts of people. Um, I, I don't have time for negativity in my life. And it even reflects in, in my songwriting. I used to write um, kind of, not vengeful, but uh, tougher songs about pushing back and by giving these people my air to breathe and engage with them that's exactly what they're looking for they're looking for reaction they're looking for someone to hear them when all they have to say is vitriol and hate and I ain't got time for that I'm sorry you have an opinion you're entitled to it but uh freedom I have is I can choose not to listen to you and walk away. I'm not hurting anybody and in fact I'm probably saving a lot of hurt by not engaging in this conversation. I'm not a debater in that regard. I don't want to debate things that hurt, debase, defrock, destroy, obliviate. I don't want to be part of a, a, a conversation that ruins people for good or for ill. Like, I'm not going to destroy someone. It's not my place. I'm not judge, jury, and executioner. And I don't intend to be. So the year that I boycotted KeyCon, well, I guess we're going to get into it anyway, so here we go. There was a particular individual who had ranking uh, within KeyCon and was slowly moving up those ranks. And this was in the days where KeyCon was a little bit looser on um, on looking after people. It's not that they didn't want to look after people, but their ability to police individuals such as the ones I dislike, um, they weren't as great at it. And it wasn't an intentional thing. Um, it wasn't an irresponsible thing. It's just, it's a logistical thing. 
now they have things in place, protocols in place, and the capability and the know-how and the knowledge and the wisdom on how to police things like that when they happen. So kudos on them for doing it. Uh, again, I don't have anything bad to say about Kivon. Uh, I, I really don't. But uh, once upon a time in the year I boycotted Kikon, it was because they'd allowed someone who had that level of control and that level of power and someone who the powers that be did not realize this person had, they let that person in to their inner circle and allowed them to make decisions that were not um, researched. They believed what this person had to say and when this person said something without research, they just went ahead and said, yes, you're absolutely correct. We will look after it. And there's a number of people <coughs> excuse me, that were hurt um, by these assertions made by that person who they believed for whatever reason because I know this person. I was friends with this person. And in fact, I too was sucked in by how nice this person could be until that person wasn't nice anymore. So, um, I choose not to associate with this person. At the time, I was very hurt because the attack that this person had made on me in a public, in a public setting was derogatory. Um, They made certain assertions on on my beliefs, my belief system, and my thoughts about things, and um, they basically uh, intimated that I'm a very evil and cruel person, and I'm not perfect. My speech isn't always perfect, and whenever I've engaged in behavior that maybe. Um, hurt someone. I, I've, I've never intentionally hurt anyone. Um, I, I just, I, I, I'm not capable. Like, I don't, I hate seeing people hurt. Um, I've been bullied in my life. And what this person was doing against me was building, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, building a campaign around themselves to uh, hurt me and uh, reimagine my position on things. So anyway, this person, instead of engaging with this person or blocking this person or uh, maybe something a bit more constructive in how I was going to deal with this person, I just boycotted Keycon. I'm like, if Keycon's behind this person, then I'm not behind Keycon, and I let Keycon slip that year. A year later, I realized that uh, everyone is fallible. Uh, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone says things out of turn at some point. Um, but it's the intentions of people that really define who they are. So, if somebody said something that was hurtful, without realizing that that thing was hurtful, 
and were made to realize that what they said or did was hurtful and came to the realization that, oh my God, I can't do that. I can't say that. I can't be that. I can't use those words. If they actually realized that who, who they were was someone who could apologize and move on and make it right. Anyway, Kikon made it right, in my opinion. Um, and that person uh, who hurt a lot of people, this person hurt a lot of people and went after organizations um, that were doing good things and, and, and picked them apart and, and, and hurt organizations that help people. Um, so anyway, I, I think that this person will forever remain, um, without a name. Um, I think they have realized some of the folly in their ways and the things that they've done and that maybe the intention behind what they were doing was, was good but the methods they chose to do what they did was completely wrong. I'm not going to hold a grudge against this person. I've moved on from those attacks that were made. And um, I don't need to talk to this person anymore. I can see this person in a social setting, nod my head to them. I will never interact with them again. Because I never did receive an apology for what they did, even when I very clearly and succinctly stated why they crushed me and explained the you know your intentions may have been good, but you can't have good intentions when you're throwing a hammer around. A hammer can be used to build or to destroy. So, um, that's why I'm always a little cautious with Geekon now, um, in any sort of organization or corporate structure, there's always going to be a moment when you don't feel safe. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned the organization is, or your group of friends, or whatever, there's always someone in there with the capability of hurting others. And I've grown a thick skin. child and as wrong as that bullying was I am a stronger person because that happened to me and I'm very cognizant of when someone tries to bully because the thing with bullying that you have to understand when you're kids um, the bullying is much more apparent it's much more visible it is uh much more black and white. You're saying you're mocking someone for their religion, their color, their weight, whatever, what have you. Um, their physical shape, that's the common one. That's what I was bullied for. Um, you know, those things are very black and white. But going back to the uh, earlier part of this discussion, talking about rent while driving from work, um, 
my brother, I don't know, I just feel a kinship with that guy. Um, he is being bullied at work. So as you get older, you know, you are always told to man up. That's what us guys are always told we have to do. Man up, don't be such a wimp. You know, what are you, a kid? Um, but the bullying in the workplace is so predominant. And it's not often viewed as bullying. Because once you're adults, that's when the labor board comes in and, and, and those sorts of things. And it's a matter of legality. But bullying can still happen within the confines of the law. It's subtle. And sometimes the case that you want to build against someone who's bullying you at work, um, it, it, it's very hard to prove. It's very hard to follow up, follow through on. And in some cases, it's not worth the effort. And let me, you know, let me back that up is the situation I was in, very similar to Rent's situation, was I was being bullied in my workplace. Hardcore. Um, and the forms of my bullying took several forms. It wasn't verbal. It wasn't uh, psychological. It wasn't, wasn't just verbal. It wasn't just psychological. It also wasn't just... Um, There was threats made in every way, shape, and form. Like, I I hadn't been bullied that thoroughly. Thoroughly is the right word to use. Because what happens when you're bullied, it's not just a person. A bullying culture builds around the bully, insulates the bully, and allows the bully to continue doing what they're doing. So the senior manager, for example, will not take responsibility for his role and position within the company, allows the bullying to happen, justifies the bullying, downplays that it is bullying, changes the scenario around, reimagines that whole uh, package that surrounds the bullying action, and is able to refocus it and flip it to make it look like it's not bullying at all. And in fact, they flip the tables on you to make it seem like you're the problem. You're the one causing the problem. And these bullying situations always exist. And the common theme of bullies when you're younger is the bully probably was bullied or is being bullied. And they are acting out, lashing out against their aggressor by lashing out on others. Example: those that bullied me were the athletes, the jocks, all those sorts of things. So I have built in a general hatred for sports people. I have more interest in solitary sports, people that exceed on their own, that don't need to succeed in a, in a group dynamic. So hockey, basketball, all those sports not a big fan of because what can happen is one single person within that team can be elevated and protected by that elevation and
been allowed to continue with behavior because of their ability. You are allowed to do what you do because you're really good at something. Blind eye, all that sort of stuff. That's why I've never been a fan of group sports because um, if you're a good uh, goaltender or good lead forward or, or uh, you know, whatever, if you're good, then it allows you to be certain uh, behaviors to be excused. The same thing, the same exact thing happens in business and corp- the corporate world where one person who may be exceedingly good at what they do, be it sales, be it um, uh, accounting, so they're able to, you know, make the books really, really good in such a way that, you know, the company, you know, will appear to be incredibly profitable and to, they they almost have this uh, supernatural, supernatural? super ability to make things work exactly the way they want them to work and look good. And because they yield results, results that matter to the company, behavior that doesn't in fact impact the bottom line, well, they can kind of excuse that. Well, it doesn't really hurt our numbers. Like, look what this guy gives to us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give this person a, a little bit of leeway. So they're going to tend to believe that person over the victim that they're the person they're victimizing. Um, and then what happens is uh, padding is built around that person. So they're allowed to continue that behavior. So even though that behavior is wrong, they get insulated. It's almost like a body armor that they can take any sort of attacks on their personality because, yeah, but they're such a good, um, they're such a good accountant. They're so, they're such a good manager. But you're not getting the full picture of it, if that makes sense. So dude, Rant, you were being bullied at work. And by you acquiescing, yielding to them, you've given the bully the power. Take it back. Take it back. That's it, guys. I'll see you on the flip side.